Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Joining us, as always, for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S. here at UBS. Shane, as always, thank you for dropping by, spending some time with our listeners and our clients. Welcome back. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you having me back. Absolutely. So a lot to catch up on since we last spoke. It was about a week ago. Perhaps we could begin with the campaign trail. We did preview the Iowa caucuses last Thursday. At this point, they are behind us. All eyes at this point are on next week's New Hampshire primary. So I'm curious to hear about your reflections on this week's results in Iowa, as well as your expectations for what next week might deliver in New Hampshire. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of something uh, for uh, everyone looking at Iowa's results, you know, and what I mean there is, you know, President Trump claimed the strong victory uh, uh, that he beat his closest opponent by 30 points. Um, but the, you know, anti-Trump crowd would quickly point out that he only received 51 percent of the vote, um, barely a majority of Republicans uh, supporting him. So, you know, uh, you know, I think it's almost beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You know, people are kind of viewing it through whatever lens they want to. I think the reality here um, is that it shows that pre- former President Trump still has a very loyal base of Republican uh, supporters. And, you know, uh, that is likely to bring him the nomination for Republicans. But, you know, there still is. Uh, a little bit of runway left, and we'll see if that gets derailed. You know, I think for that to happen, uh, Nikki Haley would probably need to win New Hampshire. I think she probably maybe provides the strongest um, uh, opposition to Trump in the Republican Party. You know, she is polling pretty strongly right now in New Hampshire, but we have to see if she can uh, convert that uh, to something more more uh, powerful. Um, you know, I think for... Governor DeSantis of Florida, you know, him showing second in uh, Iowa was was very important. If he didn't uh, uh, come in second there, I think he would have bowed out of the race. But I think his his runway is getting shorter and barring some um, uh, unexpected performance in New Hampshire. I'm not sure how much longer he'll be in the race. You know, Vivek Ramaswamy, who who, uh, came in fourth in Iowa, he that night uh, bowed out of the race and has since um, uh, lent his support to former President Trump. So, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to say we're on the path to inevitability here, but, you know, that is the most likely outcome. There still is a a chance for, you know, Nikki Haley probably to to be uh, the one, if there is one person who could emerge uh, to defeat President Trump. But again, I think it's really... um, that the fact is that uh, former President Trump is in the driver's seat in the Republican primary. Okay, well, it is interesting to see how this is all shaping up on the GOP side on the campaign trail. We'll, of course, see what New Hampshire delivers next week. I do want to follow up on another topic we spoke about during our conversation last week. We spoke about debate ongoing in Washington surrounding foreign aid packages to Ukraine, Israel, how this is all intersecting with the southern border here in the U.S., This past Wednesday, we did see that President Biden did invite to the White House congressional leadership for a conversation around Ukraine, among some other pressing topics. Any notable takeaways to speak of, Shane? 
Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, re- uh, congressional leaders from both the House and Senate on both sides of the aisle um, met with President Biden to discuss uh, this uh, foreign aid for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan. But really, it comes down to, you know, border security and, and uh, border measures. Um, Republicans are not uh, going to let this opportunity go. Um, and a lot of Republicans need uh, something on border uh, security in order to support this package. So, you know, the the while the the White House is kind of uh, showing uh, some interest, it's not enough for Republicans at this time. And I think what's complicating it further is President, former President Trump, getting involved here, and you know he is kind of scaring off some Republicans who were willing and open to supporting uh, this package. Uh, to hold out further. So this is going to be um, an interesting uh, ride that we have coming up on this issue. You know, the Senate is teaming up. They may vote on the package next week. Um, so I, I am very uh, curious to see how this plays out because it is such a, you know, complex uh, issue. But more to the point, you know, um, to get a bill with bipartisan support here is going to be, you know, talk about walking a tightrope. It's going to be a very tough task, and we'll see if uh, they're able to uh, pull together kind of the center and maybe abandon the far left and the far right to come up with a compromise. You did mention Taiwan, Shane. I'm, I'm curious, in the wake of Taiwan's recent elections, I, I did recall hearing this past weekend President Biden stated that the U.S. does not support Taiwan independence, which did take some by surprise. What exactly is the administration's stance on Taiwan at this point? Yeah, so I think it's first to you know talk about the election that was held Taiwan, where the uh, Democrat Progressive Party, um, their presidential candidate, candidate uh, Lai Ching-Ti, uh, came to power. And this is a really, you know, um, rejection of, um, you know, uh, China from Taiwan's side. It was not um, the candidate who was viewed more favorably by China. So, you know, uh, China is very concerned about this. So I, I view this as President uh, Biden trying to calm the tensions between uh, China, Taiwan, and the U.S. Remember, you know, the U.S. is coming uh, from a standpoint where the U.S.-China relationship was rock bottom from uh, my my memory. You know, um, we were at, uh, it wasn't that long ago, Dan, that you and I were talking about, you know, how there wasn't even communication um, between, you know, our Secretary of Defense and uh the Chinese uh, counterpart, uh, which was very dangerous. So we're we're rising from that rock bottom, and I think you know, to some extent the Biden administration is trying to, to to say you know that they don't support independence of Taiwan because they know that if they said that at this time, uh, China would have a very negative uh, reaction. So I think this is a, a larger effort to try and smooth tensions be, between the U.S. and China. Um, and at the same time, recognize, you know, um, that uh, China has uh, this new leader in power. And I think, you know, uh, it's not status quo, but trying to almost get back to status quo, um, which would probably be a better spot than the U.S.-China relationship has been 
in, in, in the recent months. That's very helpful clarity, Shane. Thank you for walking us through that. We'll, of course, continue to monitor these pressing geopolitical topics around the world and, of course, the ongoing debates surrounding them within Washington, D.C. I do want to, before we close out, quickly revisit our coverage on a potential government shutdown. We did see that the Senate voted to advance a short-term spending bill. So at this point, what are the prospects for a partial shutdown comes as early as this Saturday? Yeah, no, I think um, the temperature has uh, decreased here and the prospects for shutdown are lower at this moment. As you noted, the the Senate has uh, advanced um, the short-term patch, we'll say. The House may vote later tonight. Um, And if that happens, four of uh, the 12 funding bills would face a new expiration date of March 1st. So those were the ones that would have expired um, tomorrow, January 19th. And then the other eight would be uh, extended until March 8th. So that will give uh, some more breathing room for Congress to work on these dozen appropriations bills that fund government operations. You know, there is obviously some displeasure, uh, again, mostly on the far right, some on the far left. But, you know, it's mostly on the far right, and this could also – put uh, Speaker Johnson in jeopardy and as his standing as a speaker with the, the far right. So it is fluid, but it looks like we're going to avert any any um, uh, government sh- shutdown uh, that would start t- tomorrow evening or a partial shutdown. Um, and, you know, it just continues a lot of the, uh, um, you know, uh, crisis to crisis governing that we've had the past few months. So, you know, it feels like in some ways, you know, our uh, government is kind of limping along at the moment. And, you know, I I think the good news is that, like I said, we're going to probably avoid a shutdown. But I think everyone is is hoping that this is the last time we have a short-term extension and then and hopefully Congress in the next um, month and a half can get it to act in order and actually uh, fund government operations through the remainder of the fiscal year. Uh, so that may then move on to other issues that may be uh, pressing to voters. Absolutely. Well, encouraging near term. And to your point, we shall see how this all progresses beyond this coming weekend. Certainly something we can follow up on during our conversation next week. Though, Shane, as always, thank you for dropping by, for updating our listeners, our clients on a range of important topics. I wish you a nice weekend. Hope you stay warm. Many of us around the country experiencing frigid temperatures, but I do look forward to picking back up with our conversation next week. I will definitely be trying to stay warm. I appreciate that, and I hope you do too, and I look forward to catching up with you next time. Sounds good. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate it. We have been speaking today with Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S. here at UBS. I do want to point out to our listeners and clients of UBS, you can locate the latest Washington Weekly publication via the website UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. Again, that's UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. If you are a client of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the Washington Weekly publication directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. 
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.